Jesus was, why he really came, until the Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. When they started doing these things to him, spitting on him, scourging him, crucifying him, persecuting him, they were blown away. Even though he told them what was coming, it all went, you know, I remember Kathy and I went through Lamaze classes when she was going to have our first child. And I've told you this before, but it, it, it comes to me right now. Uh, we went through all these classes, breathing, how to breathe when she went into labor and how to make it easier and go natural and all of this really great sounding spiritual, natural, healthy stuff. And so we had it down, you know, the breathing thing. And we practiced and we sat in these classes when all the women together would breathe together and, and practice for the, the moment when they, they got to have this child naturally and would practice the Lamas. And yet, when Kathy went into labor, none of it was remembered. I mean, we had been trained and taught and practiced but when she went into labor, friend, it was bad. I've never been told to shut up more times in my life. Come on, Kathy, breathe, breathe. My point being that, that it was all forgotten when the pain came. And it's this way. With, he sat here and he's told them, four things are going to happen to me. They heard it. He said, I'm going to rise from the dead. They heard it. But when it happened, they freaked. They fled. Now, when Jesus was telling them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, they knew he should not go to Jerusalem because they knew the hostility that was towards him. I want you to notice something. Um, let's put those up there, Marcia. It says two things about their response. Say with me, they were amazed and they were afraid. Now, just to show you the strength of that, the Greek word is thombeo, thombeo, actually, thombeo. And you know what it means? It means to stupefy or to be astounded. They're, they're following him everywhere. It's, it's, it's three years of come and gone. They've watched him do everything that he did. Miracles, raising the dead, walking on water, all of this, calming the wind and the storm. And yet when he said, I'm going to Jerusalem, what that meant to them was, you're going to the very place they're going to get you and they're going to hurt you. They're going to put the hurt on you, Jesus, in Jerusalem. But when Jesus told them, I'm going to Jerusalem, that's where I'm headed and you're coming with me. Just to give you an idea of the strength of the word, if an elephant walked in here right now and stood there, if an elephant just walked in and stood there, you know what you'd be doing? Fombeo. <laughs> Stupefied. Dumbstruck. And then it says they were afraid. The Greek word there is phobos, and we get phobia from that word. And what it, is, what it means literally is a, a terror, a, a dread, fear struck these guys. They were terrified at where Jesus was taking them. And you know what they were thinking? They were thinking he doesn't know what he's doing. Anybody ever thought that about God in your life? 
Now, the only reason I'm pulling these words out is I want you to see, here they are, stupefied and terrified at where Jesus was taking them. And the temptation was to assume he doesn't know what he's doing. He does not know what he's doing. Bless his heart. As a matter of fact, in another one of the Gospels, one of them says, well, let's go with him so that we can die with him also. And boys, it's time to put up or shut up. We said we'd die with him. Here we go. They thought that Jesus was just kind of a little bit carried away and a little bit too spiritual for his own good and maybe caught up a little bit too strongly in his own cause. And what we learn from this right here, before I really get down to the servanthood issue, is when it doesn't look like Jesus knows what he's doing, he always does. He always knows. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you can honestly say, there have been times I wondered what God was doing in my life. Have you ever had God say, now let's go do something and it scared you? Really? And, and, and how about that it stupefied you? Okay. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I want you to say with me, though it doesn't look like it, he always knows exactly what he's doing. And he's in charge. Can I tell you tonight, he's in charge of the whirlwind and the storm. Jesus is in charge of the storms of your life and mine. Jesus is in charge. And, and he has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. He has his way. Now, as he's telling them these things and as Jesus is facing reality, I want you to notice he was not denying reality. He said, they're going to beat me. They're going to kill me. They're going to scourge me. They're going to do bad things to me. It's going to get bad before it gets good. And I'm not going to deny the reality that I know is coming. It's going to be bad. But then he tags it with something incredible. They're going to do all these things to me, and they're finally going to kill me, but I'm going to get up from the dead. I'm going to get up from the dead. Now, if you want to know why we're sitting in church, why our lives have been changed, why we have hope in the darkest of storms, why we can keep on going when other people would stop, it is because he got up from the dead. He's a God of resurrection. I'm going to clip this thing on me so it keeps... Well, you know what? Y'all turn and say hello to everybody just for a second. Keith, can you run up here and clip this for me? Um, is this bugging me? And then we're going to move on with the word. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you look better than you did last week. <laughs> just clip it onto the back there. Yeah. Onto the top. No, uh, right. Yeah, okay. Is it clipped? Yeah. Okay. Now I need some. There we go. We're good. Everybody say praise God. <laughs> Boy, I feel better now. It bugs me to death when I'm watching somebody speaking and they're always grabbing their ear. You were looking at that? Oh, I was looking at it. <laughs> all right. Now, now, in the middle of all this talk, I want you to notice where these disciples were because it'll encourage you. These guys didn't get it. While Jesus is telling them, I'm about to be crucified, killed, and guys, I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm going to get up. 
in the middle of this, the first thing and the only thing they can think about is, well, who's going to be the head duck on the pond? Who's going to be in charge? Well, Lord, since it's all coming apart and you're about to die, I want a position of authority in your kingdom. And Jesus, as a matter of fact, uh, here's where the synoptic gospels come in handy. I've told you about the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That just means synopsis. Matthew, Mark, and Luke give us synopses of Jesus' life. Now, John does, but John's very different. Matthew, Mark, and Luke give us synopses of Jesus' life that agree together. And if you only read Mark, it looks like James and John themselves went to Jesus and said, hey, we want a position of authority in your kingdom. But if you read Matthew, you you find out that the mother, mama, was involved. And I want to show that to you. Here's Matthew's account of the same thing. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him, what is it you want, he said. And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. What a mama. Now there's a mama. There's a mother. She said, Lord, you know, you're talking about dying, rising from the dead. You're going to be ruler over all the universe. Lord, since you're going to such a level of glory, I'm on my knees here. I'm asking you for James and for John. Can one sit on your right and one on your left? Please, I raised them good. I meant well. I've prayed over them all these years. Do you know what she's asking? Here's God. He's going to be sitting on the throne of the universe forever. She says, all I want is James on your right, John on your left, my boys. Isn't that like a good Jewish mother? Come on. Like a good Jewish mother? So I'm so glad that Matthew told us what Mark didn't tell us. That's why you need to read the accounts in the different gospels. Because now I know mama was involved. And Jesus counters in his inimitable way. He counters with talking about something that is going to nip this whole deal about who's going to be in charge in the bud. He says, are you able to drink my cup? And are you able, are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? What did that mean? The cup referred to his death. The baptism that he was going to be baptized with referred to his sufferings. And here's what he was saying. You want to rule with me? You're going to have to die with me. It's going to cost you if you want a position in the kingdom. And he turned to them and he said, are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink and have your life on the line? And are you willing, James and John, are you willing to suffer with the sufferings that I'm going to experience? Are you willing to crucify your flesh? Are you willing to be persecuted? Are you willing to be an outcast? Are you willing to die for me? And you know, they said, yup. 
Now, I believe they didn't have any idea what they were talking about, but you got to be careful what you say in front of God. I'm going to tell you why. James was the first one to die. He had a sword run through him for the cause of Christ. And you can read about it in Acts 12, verse 2. John lived to be an old man, but he lived to be an old man on an isolated island called Patmos, where he received the incredible revelation that finishes out this book. But was it a, was it a, was it a joy ride? Uh-uh, because there was nobody there with him. He sat on this island alone for years, exiled, persecuted, despised, mocked, ridiculed. And his only fellowship was with the Holy Ghost. And Jesus kept him alive so that he could pour out on him these visions that to this day rock the world and tell us about the end of time that we're approaching right now. This old fisherman. So Jesus says, all right, you say you're willing, you say you can do it. Gotcha. I heard you. So be it. And I guarantee you the mother didn't understand this either. She didn't understand the way up is down. She didn't understand that if you're going to walk with him, you're going to have to die with him, either to your flesh or literally physically. And if you don't die to your flesh, you're not going to walk with him. Come on, everybody. If you don't die to your flesh, you're not going to walk with him. I'm talking about the sinful flesh. If you don't crucify it, you're not going to walk with Jesus not going to happen it's impossible any man that wants to come after me let him pick up his cross and follow me then jesus took it a step further and he said guys let me tell you something now here you are posturing for power you want authority in the kingdom but let me tell you about the kingdom and folks we need to understand this about the kingdom of god i want you to understand this when you read the teachings of jesus so often in the teachings of Jesus, you see kingdom opposites. You see things like, if you want to live, you got to die. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Kingdom opposites. If you want to live, you got to die. If you want to be promoted, you've got to humble yourself. The kingdom of God, authority within the kingdom of God is not achieved in ladder climbing it is achieved in humility the proud will be humbled and the humble will be exalted kingdom opposites so often if you want to do something right in the kingdom you got to do something opposite from what you would normally do so jesus said let me tell you something james and john if you want to be on my right and my left, I can't give that to you. That's going to be given to you by the Father. But let me tell you something. If you want authority in the kingdom, it comes from servanthood. You know what I am in this church? I'm the chief servant. I'm the chief servant. And any pastors working with me are fellow servants. We have been called to serve you. Serve you in the word. Serve you the things of God. Pray for you and watch over your soul. There is nothing glamorous about authority in the kingdom of God. It's a calling, and the way up is always down. 
If you want God's favor, you humble yourself. If you want God resisting you, then you go ahead and walk in pride. He'll resist you. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you've got to have an attitude of helping and serving one another. That's the only way to be great in the kingdom of God. We have not been called to lord it over you. We've been called to serve. And you've been called to serve one another. Amen? I mean, that's what it comes down to. Now, now Jesus said these words. He said, he that wants to be great among you shall be your minister. Now, that comes from a Greek word. Let me tell you the Greek word, diakoneo. What do you think we get from diakoneo? Deacon. He that wants to be great among you will be the servant. That's what deacon means. It means to serve. And you know the same word, diakoneo, the same word applies to an elder in a church? Same word, diakoneo. What are elders? What are pastors? They are servants. What are deacons? They are servants. In just a, 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 a few weeks, we're going to anoint like probably eight to nine men to be deacons. And you know what that's a call to be? servants see when you're this way folks you can't get puffed up with pride which will put you in grave danger grave danger that's why servanthood is the only way to go it keeps you humble and humility keeps you from pride because pride comes before a fall so when you're everybody's servant it keeps you safe Amen. Diakoneo to be, means to be an attendant. It means to meet the needs of others, to be other-minded instead of just self-minded. So Jesus said the way up is down. He will be your servant. Now, he said not only will he be your minister, but he'll be your servant. The Greek word for servant there is doulos. And do you know what that is? Slave. That's the word. He who wants to be great among you will be your slave, your servant. Now, I'm not talking about something dehumanizing there. I'm not talking about something that is self-destructive. I'm talking about having a servant's heart. Saying, you know, I want to serve you in the Lord. I read recently about a very wealthy man who made it a point in his life to go out on the streets on the weekends. He would pick, he would pick a weekend and he would go out on the streets because he had so much money. He would put on very common clothes and go out in the streets and he would serve the homeless food. They never knew how wealthy he was, but he did this regularly. And one of his rich friends said to him, why do you do this? And he said, to keep myself grounded. Because you can get into an illusion where you're better than others, greater than others, more valuable than others. But Jesus said, if you want to go up in the kingdom, you be a servant of all. You be a servant of all. So question, where are you serving people? Where are you serving people? When they can't give you anything back. When you can't get anything out of it. That's when you know you're serving people. If you're doing it to get something out of them, money or whatever, that's servanthood to maybe to a level, but you've got a motive. 
But what about serving people that can't give you anything back? Well, you don't expect anything back. You're just serving them. You know what you're beginning to develop there? The spirit that Jesus had, who though being God, took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself further even all the way to the death of the cross. And what did Jesus do when he had his disciples in a room? It says that he grabbed a towel and he stooped down and he got a basin of water and he began to wash their feet. And he said, if I did this, you can do it to one another. He modeled servanthood. This is our Savior, our Messiah, our Christ. He modeled servanthood. You ever wash somebody's feet? Ever had your feet washed? It's not an easy thing either way around. If you're doing it or having it done. But this is what Jesus Christ did. So he's telling them something. They, they weren't expecting this. They thought he would say, you got it, mom. You prayed for your boys. You were the first one in line. You got it. James on my right, John on my left. He said, nah. You ready to die for me, suffer for me? And can you be a servant? Are you willing to serve? So if you want to be great, you got to have an attitude of ministering to others. Amen? If you want to be first, you got to be the servant of all. Anybody who has ever, I don't know, come into my orbit and wanted authority... They make me nervous. Because if you ever really understand the responsibility that comes with authority, it scares the bejeebies out of you. It's people who go, me? Oh, no, you got the wrong guy. I want you. <sighs> this is the way of Christ. This is the way of our Savior. Is this what you see in the church today? This attitude? When you look out across the church horizon, is this what you see? Doesn't it vex you and grieve you when you see church politics going on? People manipulating, people trying their best to get into a position of authority, buying their way in, manipulating their way in, pushing their way in forcing their way in that's not the way you get it that's not the way god promotes well pastor if i didn't do that i'd never be in any position oh let me tell you the bible says it is god who promotes it is god who promotes david sitting out on the backside of the desert just herding a few sheep his six brothers went in front of samuel and samuel said not that one not that one all of them not any of you you got one more? Oh, yeah, he's back there with the sheep. He's no, he's no count. He's the youngin. And he said, go get him. He's my guy. Who knew he was out there? God. And God brought him in. And God promoted David. Because God had been out there worshiping God. I mean, David had been out there worshiping God. And God saw it and was blessed by his praise and promoted him. Because he saw what he was doing in secret. So, amen. 
Say with me, if I'm going to be first, I need to be a servant. Isn't that God's way? All right, let's pray together. Can we stand? Father, I just want to thank you tonight that Jesus, always being Jesus, answered a request with honesty and said what it would take to be promoted in the kingdom of God. Lord, I thank you that this church is filled with people with servants' hearts. I've seen it, and I know it. People who serve not thinking of getting anything back, but just serve because they want to serve you. And Lord, I believe that's one of the reasons you have blessed us. And I pray that God, you will continue to help us to understand the ways of your kingdom, kingdom opposites, so that we can move in kingdom wisdom and not the wisdom of the flesh. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to take a minute and just think for a second and pray for a moment and think, where am I serving? Who am I serving? Where am I giving out, expecting nothing in return, but just to benefit someone else? Where am I doing that? That if I never got a thing back for doing it, I would do it anyway. If there's no one like that, make a decision to find somebody to serve, like that rich man I read about who just went to find somebody to serve. Pray about it for a moment because God will promote you as you humble yourself. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Pray a minute. And let's just sing one song, Keith, can we? Hallelujah.